You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, literally wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with y'all on this Tuesday. One more day to go before the biggest game of the regular season for the Pelicans so far, maybe of the entire year. We'll touch on that. Anthony Davis, his frame of mind going into this game. But first, we've got to touch on Lonzo Ball, back with the team after being out injured. But has he been playing well? He's been coming off the bench. And is that where he should stay? Or should he get back into the starting lineup? We'll take a look at the numbers for him and some of the other players and what his role maybe should be going forward. I think we have a pretty clear idea given these past two games, even the brutal losses that they've suffered. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. So let's take a look at Lonzo Ball, the point guard coming over from the Lakers, getting to play his former team. That's part of the storyline, which we'll touch on, of course, um, either later in this episode or tomorrow's podcast. But let's focus on him with the Pelicans. Came over from Los Angeles. And if you'll remember, this is the guy I was highest on coming over to this team over Brandon Ingram, over Josh Hart. And boy, have I been wrong on that one. We all were kind of wrong, even thinking he was going to be the second best player in that deal. He has not been. He's really strong struggled so far this year there's some good there's a lot of bad but there is some good and part of it is wits maybe an incomplete is the way you want to look at it based on the fact that he's been out for six games with that abductor strain that was maybe hampering him more till the pelicans finally shut him down so it's almost pretty hard or it is pretty hard to really accurately judge his level of play out on the court given that he was maybe injured for part of it and the team started to get into a groove without him. In fact, they went 4-2 and two in his absence. That alone isn't great. It's also not an amazing record, but it's better given than what they were before with Lonzo Ball during that stretch. So it makes you wonder, what's his role on the team? Should he get back into the starting lineup when he where he was before the injury? Or should they keep him coming off the bench like they've been doing? I took a look at the numbers. I watched a bunch of the film on him again to try and get an idea. And I've come to the conclusion personally that he should stay on the bench for the foreseeable future. And there's a number of reasons with this. And we can start with the very basic. His numbers on off with the team. He's got a negative uh, net rating of negative 8.2 when he's on the court for the Pelicans. That drops to when he's off the court, the Pelicans have a a net rating of negative 1.8, much closer to neutral than they are to being down 9, 10, which is what he's close to. Uh, The defense is significantly worse with him on the court. The offense is relatively level, though a little bit better with him on the bench. Those are damning statistics even of themselves, but some of that needs to be kind of kept in mind with certain lineups and certain combinations, and maybe one works, and if they're getting a lot of run and he's not in that, well, it really skews the numbers not in his favor, even if that means he could have been good in that lineup, let's say. It's kind of impossible to judge a lot of that. But we've always said the key is him unlocking Drew Holiday. And if he can unlock Drew Holiday the way Rondo did, the way Alfred Payton somewhat did last year, 
well, this is all good then, and we can kind of live with whatever bad he gives you. That hasn't been the case this year. When Drew Holiday and Lonzo Ball share the court together, they have a negative net rating of 11.9. They have an offensive rating of 108.2 and a defensive rating of 120.2. That's a team defensive rating um, with them on the court together. That's also influenced by the three other guys that they've been out there with. And when you've cycled through a ton of different starting lineups like the Pelicans have in different rotations because of the injuries... That, those numbers can get skewed. Keep that in mind. Off-court, when, when Lonzo's off-court and Drew Holiday's on the court, he's got, and the team has, a 107.8 offensive rating. It's off by .4, basically negligible. But the defensive rating drops 9 points per 100 possessions to 111.2. So while together they've got a negative net rating of 11, of 11.9, there's a negative net rating when Drew Holiday's on there without Lonzo Ball, but it's just 3.4. Again, significantly better. These are all important things because it does not seem like he's unlocking Drew Holiday. And if you look at the numbers of Holiday shooting when he's on the court with with ball versus on the court without, he is significantly more aggressive and more attacking than when Lonzo Ball isn't on the court. If you look at just restricted numbers, and I've kind of put these all into ways that make sense, per 100 possessions, when he shares the court with, with Lonzo Ball, he takes in the restricted area... 20.5 field goal attempts per 100 possessions. When it's just him and no Lonzo Ball, that number jumps to 31.9. He's driving more. He's attacking the basket more. That's the Drew Holiday we all want to see. That's the Drew Holiday that is going to be the MVP of the team or the MVP candidate that David Griffin thinks. That's a really important thing. Drew Holiday, who's not shooting particularly great from three this year, takes Way more threes when uh, he's on the court with Lonzo Ball. Holiday's three-point percentage is just 32.1% so far this year. It's not great. And he's kind of relegated to just being on the perimeter, almost watching when Lonzo Ball has the ball in his hands and is kind of trying to do his thing. And that's partially because he doesn't have a ton of lanes to really drive and attack on because teams are sagging off Lonzo Ball because he's not attacking the basket whatsoever. In terms of drives per game, and I talked about this in the offseason saying this was going to be an issue, and you're really seeing it become an issue during the season. He's averaging per game, this is in 11 games now, 4.3 drives per game in 27 minutes worth of action. Nikhil Alexander-Walker in 14 minutes worth of action, 5.4 drives. Each one more in five fewer minutes, 5.8 drives. Each one more drove more than, than Lonzo Ball does this season and last season. Brandon Ingram, 12.9. Drew Holiday, 18.1. We figured they would be the two highest guys. But that is a startlingly no, low number from Lonzo Ball. And 42% of the time, 43% of the time when he drives, he passes out of that meaning he's not trying to finish at the rim. He's basically getting two looks per game, three looks per game, if that, at the basket. That's it. That is pretty bad. There's no sugarcoating that whatsoever. He needs to be better about that. And the team as a whole is just less aggressive when he's out there on the court pounding the rock. It just isn't working with that starting unit. And as we saw with that starting unit in the game against the Clippers, despite getting blown out and run out in that game, 
The starting unit hung kind of tough, despite maybe being overmatched and less talented than the Clippers' starting unit. That says something. I don't know if you want to mess with that success right now. So what is the preferred role for Lonzo Ball? And we'll look at that coming up in the next segment. But before we touch on that, don't forget we're going to do a live podcast after the Lakers game on Wednesday. I'm going to be racing home, getting set up, and we are going to do this live. You can hear the podcast in real time. You'll also be able to listen to it either later that night or more likely Thursday during Thanksgiving. You've got nothing else to do. You're probably not doing much of the cooking, hopefully, and you might just need to get away from your family. Perfect way to kind of relive what's hopefully going to be a Pelicans win. But if you want to have questions, and a lot of people are going to have feelings that after this game, you'll be able to join in the Twitch chat and let me know, and we'll read a lot of these, assuming they are safe for work out here on the podcast. It should be a lot of fun. Go to twitch.tv slash NOLA underscore Jake. That's twitch.tv slash NOLA underscore Jake. Make sure you hit that follow button on there, and you'll get an alert when it goes live, and you'll be able to tune in. Should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it because, of course, we're going to have to break down that game, see how everyone's feeling after AD's return to the Smoothie King Center. So where should Lonzo Ball be playing? And I think right now that role is very clear on the bench. Again, the starters are doing exceptionally well. Maybe not exceptionally. That might be over-the-top hyperbole. But they're doing well, reasonably, given the blowouts for the past two games and the fact that in the game against the Clippers, the starters, again, hung relatively close and tough with the uh, Clippers and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. You also have the fact that J.J. Redick is freaking on fire these past couple of games and basically has been all season long where he's shooting 47% from three. You don't want to take that out of the starting lineup, spacing the court for Brandon Ingram. The two-man game that he's really developed with him and Drew Holiday, where a ton of Holiday's assists are going to a guy like J.J. Redick. You just simply need him out there right now. And I think Lonzo Ball messes up what you have going there. Defense hasn't been great, but it's been okay. And we've seen over that four and two stretch that there were some significant improvements before some serious regression these past two games. But overall, it's been good. And I don't think you necessarily want to mess with that too much. So Lonzo Ball stays on the bench. And I don't think that's where you want to keep him long-term. I think the goal would be to get him back into the starting lineup. Maybe trades happen and it mixes up your your starting backcourt and he gets a spot to go in there. Or it could be just he's the better defender. You want to get some more defense when he kind of gets his feet under him with this. So you do pair him alongside Drew Holiday. Or he could be the early sub-in. Out comes Redick, in comes Lonzo Ball to get him and Drew Holiday a little bit of burn out there on the court together before he starts to lead that second unit. And I think you maybe challenge him to a role on that second unit of similar what you want to see from Drew Holiday. Get the ball, go attack, and score. He's actually been okay this season when finishing around the rim. He's not been great. Let's not pretend that. But he hasn't been horrible around the rim. Now, he doesn't draw fouls to get to the free throw line ever. He's only taken 10 free throws so far this year. But he's hit 60% of them. That's not a miserable number, but you've got to do something that gets his confidence up and lets him go and attack. On the season, Lonzo Ball has only drawn five shooting fouls. That is abysmally low. Each one more has seven. Kenrich Williams, who doesn't really shoot, has seven. Josh Hart has nine. You know, J.J. Redick, the sharpshooter who's taking open threes the majority of the time, has 14. 
Now, some of these guys have fewer minutes than Lonzo Ball does. He just is simply not giving you much of anything on offense right now, and you need to find a way for him to get into a rhythm, to get into that role, and get something going. Maybe with the second unit, when you've got Nikhil Alexander-Walker there, who's not afraid to shoot if if gets the ball while he's open, same thing for Frank Jackson. Potentially a springy big to play in the pick and roll with in Jackson Hayes when he eventually moves back to the bench when Derek Favors is healthy. There could be something there in that lineup of him leading that second unit and becoming that initiator of the offense, which is Drew Holiday's role right now. And we're seeing Drew Holiday play pretty well with in that role. Let Lonzo kind of take that all off on the second unit. And I think that could be a very, very big deal. And I think that's maybe the way to get his confidence back. But he's not giving you nearly enough for what you need right now. And I don't want to put him in the starting lineup because of that. Let him figure some of these things out coming off the bench. Earn that spot back with his play. And then you get him back into the starting lineup. So we're going to move on to Anthony Davis and the Laker game coming up Wednesday. What's AD's frame of mind? He recently spoke to the media about some of this, and it's kind of interesting. And we'll take a look at all of that coming up here in just a second. But today's show brought to you by Audible. Audible has the world's largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial. Choose one audiobook and two Audible originals absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash locked on NBA. And if you're listening on the go and you can't li- visit Audible right now, you can find this and all other offers from locked on sponsors at lockedonpodcast.com slash offers. Welcome to the circus, because that's what this is going to be tomorrow night in the Smoothie King Center. Anthony Davis making his debut, his return debut, I guess, to the Smoothie King Center as a member of the Los Angeles Lakers. We don't need to recap everything that's happened over the past year other than, you know, some of the basics. AD derailed the Pelican season by demanding a trade to the Los Angeles Lakers. He also derailed the Lakers season with all of that too. That really causing a whole lot of drama for them. And then we remember the way he tried to strong arm his way out of New Orleans, eventually costing Dell Dempsey's job, though that's not really the reason why it cost him his job. You had everything from the public uh, nature of the negotiations, all of the leaks, to AD leaving a game early that he left with injury, to making his return onto the court at one point, after the trade demand because he was out injured while it happened and getting booed while also cheered at the same time. That was really weird. Uh, And then it kind of culminated with him wearing the that's all folks t-shirt to the last game, which he then didn't own up to and said someone else picked it out for him because he can't pick out other shirts or he doesn't pick out his own clothes, which I actually, again, truly believe, but you've got to make a better decision and not wear that shirt, even if someone picked it out for you. He also said there was no list of teams he wanted to be traded for, that every team other than the Pelicans was on the list. We know that's not true either. A lot of weird stuff with Anthony Davis, not really uh, unable to kind of understand the fallout from his actions or not wanting to and not wanting that to be the reaction. He very clearly struggled with being the villain in all of this and kind of the, the nature of how to go about what getting what he wants while also not being the bad guy and doesn't seem like he wants to be the bad guy and really seemed like he wanted people to like him and stay in their good graces by going back and forth, flip-flopping basically every time he spoke. It was weird, and you saw someone kind of having almost a fall from grace, though I don't want to call it that necessarily. And 
it was just odd and not able to understand the damage he was doing or just not caring, but still making things worse instead of maybe just shutting up. All of that was what went on basically from mid-February last year. So it was a complete mess of everything. Uh, the Pelicans eventually fired Dell Demps because of it after the trade deadline. And we moved on. David Griffin came in and eventually traded him to the Lakers. Well, AD, as you know, is making his return to the Smoothie King Center. It's going to be on ESPN, I think, or TNT. Uh, and it's a late tip, 8.30 here in New Orleans because it's a primetime game. And Anthony Davis spoke. And there's going to be a media circus all around this thing. And you're probably going to see a lot about it over the next two days, tomorrow, today, and Wednesday. Anthony Davis really uh, recently spoke to The Athletic saying, so when I go back, I'm going to have mixed emotions. And it's all because of great six and a half years. And then the last half, it was, you know, so it was just like, I know the fans are going to boo me. I got booed when I was still playing there. It's going to be fun for me. Like, man, it's another game. I just want to win a game. I don't care AD had 10 points. They shut him down. I want to win. That's an interesting quote, partially because he doesn't really describe what it was like. He goes, it was like, well, you know, it was just like the fans are going to boo me. Not that I really upset the fans by trying to force my way out. And I don't fault Anthony Davis necessarily for wanting to trade and wanting to try and strong arm his way into a deal. You rarely have, you know, control over your career as a player under contract. You can be traded, you know, for whatever reason, instantly. And you have to up, uh, up, you know, haul your life with everything. So trying to figure out the best way for him to get where he wants, I don't fault anyone for really doing that. Doesn't mean you don't have to live with without those consequences, though. And Anthony Davis still doesn't seem comfortable talking about it. You know, he doesn't want to come in and go, you know, I probably handled that poorly, but I had to do it if it meant I had, could get the best thing for my career. And I think if he owned up to it like that, not while, while not apologizing for it, but at least admitting he handled it poorly, I think you know some of the fans might look at that a little bit differently. And then he just goes, you know, this is going to be fun for me, but it's just another game. But it's going to be fun for me, even though this game doesn't really mean anything. I just want to win. I don't care. It's kind of weird that he doesn't, at the same time he's saying like, this is going to be a thing and I'm going to enjoy the booze and the attention I get when he doesn't. And then he's also like, oh, but it's just another game, so I don't really think it matters. He goes on to say, it's going to be a fun game. I think that's a game of the year for me. Is it now? Just because I've never been through it, so it's like, what's going to happen? Am I going to play well? I, I know I'm going to be nervous. I never get nervous before a game, but I'll probably be nervous before that game. Yeah, I think he definitely will. When he made his return to the court after the trade demand on that 20-minute-a-night limit, he got booed pretty hard anytime he touched the ball in the intro video. And when the Pelicans played a promo on the Smoothie King Center scoreboard the other night for this game, just a picture of Anthony Davis caused boos to rain down. Showed three players on the team. It was him, LeBron, I forget who else, probably Kuzma. And they booed relentlessly. It's going to be like that in the Smoothie King Center, but it'll also be drowned out by all of the Laker fans that show up and have for the past decade plus, whenever the Lakers come to town or the Celtics or the Warriors or the Miami Heat, whatever team's good at the time, they're going to show up and they're going to cheer for Anthony Davis. You'll hear it be loud cheers for him at times. And it's going to be that pro Laker crowd there, not Anthony Davis being accepted or having a nice homecoming here for the Smoothie King Center crowd. I do wonder, maybe the biggest question going into this game, is there going to be a scoreboard tribute? I don't think so. I don't think that would go well. 
and I don't think that would really work here in the Smoothie King Center, but it also might be a way for the team to be like, we've moved on. We appreciate his efforts and his contributions over these seven years that he was here. So we're going to play this even though we know our fans are going to boo. That's a bit of a powerful statement to do it as well. Also of note is uh, is Anthony Davis says he's got a guy on his team who's gone through this in LeBron James a couple of times. You know, when he made his return back to Cleveland as a member of the Miami Heat, he was booed. That was on ESPN or TNT. He's got a guy who kind of went through that and he can lean on for advice on how to handle this situation that might help him. I think it's kind of interesting that that dynamics in play. But his mindset seems a little rattled and still unable to kind of, I don't want to say he's unable to wrap his mind around it, or maybe he just doesn't want to accept the consequences and he's kind of forcing himself to live in a bit of an alternate reality about what went down. But if he's going to have fun, good. Enjoy it. It's just going to be the first time that he kind of acknowledges what's going on, at least embraces it, which you know what? Be a villain. That can be fun, certainly. But I think it's that kind of dishonesty, the way he's trying to play both sides is one of the biggest reasons it really rubbed fans the wrong way. Again, if you own up to it, I think people can respect it. Here, you don't have any more from the Smoothie King Center faithful, from the Pelicans faithful, or really anyone who covered this. It was a mess because he tried to force his way out and again, didn't own up to it, lied blatantly to the media, to fans. It was all of a mess. It's going to be even more of a mess tomorrow night in the Smoothie King Center. It might be a glorious mess. Who knows? But it's certainly going to be something. And we'll see if fans are going to boo, if they're going to cheer, if it's going to be a mix of both, or what's going to happen. But certainly, this is going to be a spectacle and something no one's really ever going to forget. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And we'll be back with you all tomorrow to preview the Lakers game and Anthony Davis's return. 